Although many of us strive to be the best dad we can be, many physicians struggle with finding balance between their life at home and their life at work. This is the Imperfect Dad MD Podcast, the show where we discuss topics involving our minds, bodies, beliefs, relationships at home, and upping our game with our business practices and financial knowledge to better improve our role as dad in the lives of those around us. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy Toffel, physician, husband, father to two boys, and self-proclaimed imperfect dad. Join me as I learn to raise my own imperfections within all these topics. Now, let's get to today's discussion. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Imperfect Dad MD Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy Toffel. And today's episode, we are going to focus solely on the brain. So last week, I introduced the six Bs to you. And if you missed it, you should go listen to it. So you know what I'm talking about. And, you know, I covered the brain part um, probably a little bit more in depth than I was planning on to initially last week. But there's just so much about the brain. So you're going to hear some repeats today that I talked about last week, but that's okay. Because when you're trying to retrain the brain, you have to practice and repeat and repeat. So maybe if I repeat some things, it'll stick with you a little bit more. Um, But before we get started, remember to subscribe. If you're getting something out of these episodes, please subscribe so that you will be notified when the next episode is coming out. Um, You know, for these Wednesday shows, I usually do a weekly audiogram. I'll put it out there so you guys can see what it's about. But I am now starting these Friday review shows. I'm not going to do audiograms for those. That's just going to pop up. And so if you are subscribed, you're going to find those pretty quickly. If you're not subscribed, you're going to have to go back and find them, Um, which is fine. But if you want to know right away when these are popping up and and out there, then I I recommend subscribing. Um, The other thing, if you're getting something out of these and you feel like they're helpful, leave a review. You know, those five-star reviews are extremely helpful for me um, because I know I'm doing what I'm kind of trying to do here with this show. If you feel like there's something I can do to improve it, send me a message. I always talk about that. My email is imperfectdadmd at gmail.com or go to www.imperfectdadmd.com to leave me a message there. And um, I take all of that criteria to heart. I, I want to get better. And I know I'm not perfect at this stuff, at podcasting and, and talking about everything out there. So if you feel like I said something wrong, did something wrong, I could do something better. Let me know because I want to get better for you guys. So the brain, you know, I've talked about this a lot in the past, but when you think about the brain, it's in charge of everything that you do on a daily basis. When you talk about the other Bs, so your body, your beliefs, your better half, your business, your bucks, all of that is tied to your brain and the routines involved with those different situations. So with your body, what's your eating habits like, what's your exercise, what's your sleep, that's related to your brains and your routines. With your better half, how do you treat your significant other or how do you talk about relationships if you're not in a relationship right now? That's affected by your brain and your thoughts. What are your beliefs? What? How do you interpret business? How do you interpret money? All of that is based on your thoughts about those different topics. And your thoughts directly control how you feel about them and then how you act about them and what happens afterwards. How you know What happens in those situations? So I'm going to give a dad moment here today because I feel like I got to get this off my chest. So I got off work today five o'clock. It was my job to take our four-year-old to his t-ball practice because older brother had a baseball game somewhere else that my wife was taking him to. So I got to take my son to t-ball, which was supposed to be fun. I was supposed to go and enjoy it and have fun. Well, 
actually first problem was I went to the wrong field the first at first because there's too many fields that have the same ridge in the name. And so I initially went to the wrong field, but we made it to the other field in time for practice. So we got there. Things seemed good. We put on his cleats. Things seemed happy. We got up to the field and then my four-year-old shut down. He attached to my leg. He held on. He was hiding behind me. He did not want to go out there. He was crying. Daddy, I don't want to do this. Well, actually, he wasn't really crying. He was whining. And it was, Dad, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I want to go play. I want to go home and just play. Well, no, buddy. We came for baseball. We need to play. Baseball. That's what we're here for. Well, no, Daddy, I just want to go home and play. And I told him, no, we can't do that. Oh, Dad, I want to go play on the playground. Nobody. We can't play on the playground. So he was fighting, fighting, fighting. And one thing I do with my our kids is I give them two choices. You know, you don't want your kids feeling they can, like they can control the situation. Because once you give them that control, they will not give it back to you. I promise you that. So I always give two choices. And his two choices were to practice with his team. And then we can play when we got home a little bit. Or if he refuses to practice, we go home, we don't play, we do bath, and we get ready for bed early. Well, needless to say, of course, in his tired, upset, angry state, he refused to practice. So that meant we were going home. And in the process of getting our stuff together and going home, I cannot tell you how many times I was kicked, I was hit, I was spit on, which I have a big problem with spitting. Um, I was yelled at, I was screamed at, um, I was pulled and grabbed. And, you know, I, I will say this, if you're a parent and you see another parent going through this, just give them like a sympathetic smile, like, hey, I feel you. Because when I was there, I felt like I had the plague. Every parent kind of avoided my eye and didn't look at me so be that helpful smile out there. I'm just going to ask for that. Um, but that was a big brain moment for me because my child was acting so ridiculous. I could have easily just lost it on him and picked him up, you know, fireman hold over my shoulders and just dragged him to the car. I could easily done that. And it would have been a quick, easy, well, it wouldn't have been easy, but it would have been a quick fix of the situation. We would have gotten to the car and home probably a lot quicker than I did. But I didn't. I stayed calm and I told myself, okay, I'm frustrated about this. I recognize that, but I understand my child is currently tired. He's probably a little hungry still, and he doesn't want to be here. And he's four. And when a four-year-old doesn't want something, they don't want something. So... After I recognize that he's not interpreting baseball in a team sport like our eight-year-old is interpreting baseball in a team sport. And although he wasn't going to practice, I also wasn't going to give in to the screams and the cries. Because if, then if I said, okay, you know what, he's tired, it's fine, we'll just go play in the playground. Well, no, because that sets up the precedent that the next practice he gets to do that. I had to stick to those two choices. One choice was to practice, the other choice was to go home. And so I had to keep telling myself, be calm. This is going to be fine. You just have to recognize that how he's feeling and then you do it. So it took probably about five times as long to get to the car because I was pulled and prodded and kicked as we were walking to the car. Um, We finally got in the car. Uh, He screamed at me in the car the whole way home. One trick I have in the car is that when they're screaming so loud because they're upset about something and they're just trying to get your attention, I just turn the radio on even louder and eventually it just gets so loud they stop screaming. So that worked pretty well. Uh, (laughs) And then we got home. Um... He was still upset and screaming, but obviously tired. So we worked our way upstairs to the bath. He finally got into the bath and then he mellowed out for the most part. We still had some struggles, but by the end of the night, we were in bed. He was hugging me and he was telling me I was the best dad ever. So he doesn't hate me still, which is good. Um, But that was a big brain moment because that whole process was not an easy, simple, quick fix like that. I could have easily just lost my temper with him, you know, dragged him to the car, thrown him in the car, not 
not literally thrown him because that is considered child abuse probably. And you don't want to do that to your child. Um, But I could have got him in the car real quick, drove home, got him his room and just left it there. And that would have, you know, it would have fixed the situation fast, but it would not have helped because now what this does is it sets the precedent for him for his next t-ball practice like if he starts doing this hey you remember last time you had two choices you had two choices again this time you practice or you go go home and then you do bath in bed early tonight and he's gonna have to tell himself oh yeah last time that happened too i'm gonna um, hopefully he'll make the right decision that time now he may not and then you'll have to do it again um but it also helped me it helped my brain remain calm because I was focusing on the thoughts I was having, not how I was feeling. Because I'll tell you, I was not feeling good. It doesn't feel good when your kid is acting that way in public, in front of everybody, and your kid's the only one doing it. So did I feel great? No. So I had to focus on those thoughts and say, okay, he's tired, he's hungry, he doesn't want to be here, and he's four years old. And so that helped kind of calm those feelings down. And the action of that then was I remained calm getting him home, doing the things that needed to happen. And the result was by the end of the night, he was calm and he seemed perfectly happy with me. Like nothing ever happened, which four-year-olds are really good at doing. (laughs) So that was my brain moment today. And that's the brain moment for you guys too. think about those situations. You know, every situation in parenting initially starts with your thoughts about that situation. So in last week and uh, last week's podcast episode and in my blog post from last week, I talked about how I I struggle with some parenting books because they only focus on specific situations. They don't focus on the, the deeper um, the deeper things that affect how you respond to situations. So, you know, I keep using potty training as an example. It's not uncommon as a pediatrician. I have families come in with their kids who are four or they're five or you know they're getting ready to go to kindergarten. Then I get potty trained. And the comment I hear a lot of the times is, well, they're super stubborn about it and I just don't want to deal with it. So the first thing to remember is every four and five-year-old is stubborn. (laughs) They're all stubborn. Everyone is stubborn. So that's not an excuse, obviously. Um, But what I always hear is I don't want to deal with it or it's too stressful right now or, you know, I, I just, I don't have time for it. And so it's a lot of, it's not the kid who is struggling with potty training. It's the parent. And that's because we're not willing to feel uncomfortable or to feel more work on us. So our thoughts about it are, this is too hard. I don't want to do it right now. I'm going to tell you right now, nothing about parenting gets easier when you put it off. Usually it only gets harder. And so when you look at that example of potty training, you have to focus on your thoughts about it, which affects how you feel and the actions you're going to take with potty training, because if your thoughts are, oh, this is too stressful, I don't want to deal with it right now, well, your feelings are, nope, not going to do it, I, I don't feel good about this, and so your action is nothing, you do nothing, your kid keeps wearing, you know, pull-ups or diapers, and nothing happens, and then still nothing happens, because you will continue to reinforce to yourself that, oh my gosh, I don't want to do that this weekend, maybe I'll do it next weekend, no, I don't want to do it this weekend now, because we have all these things going on, and so it's those thoughts that happen. Now, you could go out, and buy a book on potty training, and follow all the steps in there, and you'll you might get it done in three days. That's it, to be honest, and I'm not trying to brag or act excited because I know potty training stuff for a lot of parents. Um, we found a system that worked for our boys that worked in three days, and that was great. But that system will not work with our boys when they're throwing a temper tantrum at baseball, <laughs> or they're throwing a temper tantrum at the store, 
or they're teenagers later in life and they're talking back to me. So what I use in potty training and getting them to be potty trained is not going to help me with all those other situations. But the thing that is going to help me is that brain practice and that work on mindset and work on my thoughts about the situations. Because when you stop yourself and you take that quick moment and you focus on, okay, what are my thoughts on this right now? Because I know I'm feeling not good about it. So what are my thoughts and how can I maybe adjust those so that I feel better? The more you practice that, the more, the more cognizant you become of it and the easier it becomes for all of these situations. Now, other ways that you can see how your brain is utilized with parenting your kids is when your kids are not as independent as you would like them to be. And I'm holding my hand up right now because I'm you know, our family's just as guilty as this as the next. And to be honest, if you think about our kids, they're a lot more spoiled than they were in the past. And and that's because, you know, I both both of my parents were farm kids. They grew up on farms. And you know what they did on farms? They had chores. Because you had to have chores. You had to bring the crops and you had to take care of the animals. You had to take care of everything. You know, I had my dad on in the fourth episode of this podcast. And if you want to go back and listen to it, it was, I love that episode. I love hearing my dad talk about his past because he has, number one, such a great memory. But number two, it just shows how things are different in one generation. And so for his generation, kids were expected to do chores. Kids were expected to do things around the house every single day. Things were not easier back then. They were harder. And nowadays, things are so much easier. You know, when you think about it, entertainment, you know, again, back then, TV, if you had it, was black and white and a couple of channels, and you had to watch whatever was on, and it probably wasn't the program you wanted, or you listened to the radio, or you listened to maybe something, you know, if you're listening to a dis- uh, listening to music that way, there things, choices were not always as obvious as they are now, in terms of how many choices we have now. Now, kids, everything's ready at a push of a button, and so... Kids nowadays do expect more of that immediate gratification. And with that, though, also comes the lack of needing to put in a lot of effort to get what they want. And so when you look at kids, a lot of times when they're very capable of doing something, they still will not do it and they will fight you tooth and nail on not doing it. So one example for us is two nights ago, it was... Tuesday. So it was Taco Tuesday at our house. And the boys did great eating, which was wonderful. I mean, who doesn't love tacos though? And queso, I mean, it's hard not to eat that. Um, so, but our four-year-old had his dish sitting on the table and he finished. He said, daddy, I'm done. I'm like, great. Take your dish to the counter. And he said, no, you take it. And I was like, no, you take it. Counter's right there. You do it. The counter's literally five feet away, five feet. He stood up from his chair at the table ran past the counter and just yelling, no, daddy, you do it, you do it, you do it. So he already took a step further than the counter was to then argue with me to get the plate. So you see where we're going here. Um, And I sat there calmly because I had to go through my brain process in my head not to freak out on my kid. But I also had to say to myself, okay, I know it would be easier in this moment for me to grab his plate and just put it on the counter for him. But that's not going to help him long term, right? So I had to sell myself you got to stand your ground. You got to stay calm, though, and just get him to do it. And so I don't know how long we argued for. And I say argue as in I sat there and he just, you know, screamed and whined at me. But eventually he finally came over 
got the plate, put it on the counter. And I said, hey, great, good job. See, I knew you could do it. And then we moved on. And so that's another one of those moments of just something simple, right? Carrying dishes to the counter. I didn't ask him to clean his room. I didn't ask him to do the dishes. I didn't ask him to do laundry. He's not mowing the lawn. He's not milking a cow. He's not, you know, getting eggs from the chickens. He's not doing any of that stuff. He's taking a plate five feet from one table to a counter next to the sink. But our kids are so easily distracted because of everything that's available in today's world that they don't want to do what they see as the boring tasks because there's so much more exciting things going on around them. And so that's tough because, again, from the brain side, if I wasn't focusing on my thoughts about the situation, I could have easily just been like, eh, it's fine, I'll, I'll take it up there and, and put it on the counter, and then I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to lif- listen to my four-year-old yell at me right now in this moment, because nobody, again, wants their four-year-old yelling at them, either in private or in public at the baseball field. I'm sorry, I'm still kind of steaming about that, but I'm trying to be calm <laughs> right now. Um but when you think about it, you know, I could have just easily done that and then it would have been done. He would have been off doing whatever it is he wanted to do. And the situation would have been over in 20 seconds. Instead, it took a solid five, six minutes of him yelling at me to finally concede, come over, get his plate, put it up there. And I just said, see, that was super easy. And so hopefully then the next time it's easier and then the next time it's easier and the next time it's easier. But again, that's going to take practice that him doing it. And so is the act of me focusing on my thoughts about how I'm dealing with that situation and then what the results are afterwards, right? I got to practice that. Now, again, my four-year-old argued with me about taking his plate from the table to the counter. Why did he do that? Because in the past, I've taken the easy way out and put his dishes away for him. So am I perfect in this? No. Am I practicing at it? Yes. Am I always doing it right? No. And I recognize that and I got to do better. So there's that. Now I'm talking a lot about how this work on your brain and your mindset is a lot of work and it might be scaring some of you because I mean, we put a lot of work into be physicians. I don't want to put more work in sometimes to do other things, but obviously being a parent is really important, especially if you chose to be a parent. And so you got to put this mindset work in. And although I'm saying this, I'm not trying to discourage you. I want you to be excited about working on this because when you're excited about it, you're more likely to do it. Cause again, It's your thought about the process of working on your thoughts that's going to affect the outcome. So I can sit here and tell you, hey, work on your thoughts about potty training. Work on your thoughts about your kid throwing tantrums. Work on your thoughts about this and that. And you can be like, fine, I'll do this. Fine, I'll do it this time. Okay, I got to think about this. And when you're doing that, you're you're having a negative correlation in your brain between this thought work and what you're doing. So your brain doesn't like it and it's going to fight you. And you're not going to get those dopamine responses that you're looking for when you do this thought work, okay? Because you want these positive reward systems to be occurring in your brain when you're doing the right thing with this. And so I compare this to me. I still struggle waking up early to try to exercise. I'm not good at it. I never have been. I would like to be someday. I'm not going to say I never will because that's such a bad thought to have. So I've got to work on that thought. See, I'm still struggling with that. Um, but let's say my goal was to wake up at 5 a.m. to work out every day. Now, me just saying that makes my stomach churn a little bit. And some of you out there might be doing this and you might be like, dude, suck it up and get it done. And I understand, but I struggle with it. I just, I'm not a good morning person. I'm a night person. I'm a night owl. But 
if I sit here and say, hey, I'm going to start waking up at 5 a.m. to work out, my body and my brain does not feel excited about that. But if I sit here and say, hey, I'm getting on a plane with my family tomorrow at 5 a.m. to go to Disney World, I am pumped. I'm excited. I'm waking up before my alarm clock at 5 to get going, and I'm waking everybody else up, and I'm bouncing off the walls, and I'm going crazy. And why is that? Because the act of going someplace fun in my brain is super exciting and fun. And so that thought's positive and it's easier for my body to respond in a positive way. But the act of waking up in the morning and my alarm going off at five and for me to say, hey, it's time to work out. Well, that's not very exciting. I'm going to go back to bed. So you see that it's not easy. You have to have not just working on the thoughts, but then there's thoughts about the thoughts. We're kind of getting to a little inception here. So it's not going to be easy. And here's the thing too. Once you start to work on this, you may start to feel worse about how you're parenting. I'm just laying it out there. You've heard the phrase, ignorance is bliss, right? Whenever I hear that, I think of the matrix. And I think of Cypher sitting there at the table eating his steak with Agent Smith and how he wants to come back as an actor and he wants to remember nothing. And he takes a bite of the steak and he says, ignorance is bliss. And that's because he knows in his mind that if he knew all of the bad things he did in his next life, he would not be able to enjoy that next life. He'd rather just not worry about it and not care about it and just move on in ignorance. Now, as a parent, it's easy for us to move on in ignorance about what's going on around us. You know, before I started doing all this mind work for myself, it was very easy for me that when a situation occurred at home with our children, that I could blame the kids, be like, oh my gosh, my child is acting up again. What is wrong with them? Or, oh my gosh, my kids are acting a mess. What happened at home before I got home from work? Or what were their friends doing that led them to do this? There's a lot of easy to point fingers at others in those situations because it's not my fault. I'm Why would it be my fault? But then when you start putting that mind work in and you recognize the way you respond to situations affects how your kids respond to situations. And you start looking in and you say, oh my gosh, my kid's acting this way because I acted that way at one time. Or this is actually direct relation to me and how I was. And you start noticing that these situations are actually a lot more directed because of you and not because of the child. That is very hard to think about. And then you have those moments when Let's say like at the baseball game today for me, if I had, or the baseball practice, I guess it wasn't a game. If I had reacted instinctively to my four-year-old's negative behaviors by becoming angry, becoming combative and not combative in an in a abusive way, but like pick him up, fire him and hold him, drag him, to, you know, take him to the car, kind of combative. If I became that way, that would have been easier for the situation. But then I would have looked back on it and been like, wow, I really screwed up there. And then would I not only be upset about the situation that occurred at baseball, but then I'd be also upset with myself about the way I acted, not the way about my four-year-old acted, but the way I acted. And that is so much harder to deal with in the handle. And so I'm just going to warn you right now, just like we've told people, hey, go get your COVID shots, but FYI, you're going to have some symptoms. Think of this as a vaccine. You're working on stuff. You're working on a response in your body to a situation. And although it's going to be good for you long term, it is 
It may not be easy now, and it may make you feel worse at first. Okay? So I want you to understand that. Working on the brain isn't easy. Everything you're doing right now is an accumulation of what you've learned your entire life. And maybe some of that's from your parents or who you grew up with. Maybe some of that is due to your work and how people there have responded to you and it's made you where you are and who you are and how you think now. But the great thing about the brain is that you can help it change over time. Now, the older you get, the harder it gets. It takes a little bit more work, but you can absolutely do it. If I can do it, you can definitely do it. And that's me being, you know, kicking myself because I never think I can do these things. And so if I know that I'm trying to do a better job with it and I'm seeing results, they may be small results, but I'm seeing some results, I know that you guys out there can do it too. So if you got questions about that, if you want help with it, reach out to me. Go to the blog. I have some other articles on this on the blog. This Friday, I'll probably doing. I'm going to do a deep dive into kind of a situation and really exactly how, if you're a visual person, mapping this out. But I want you to, if you need help, you want to reach out, reach out to me. Come to the Facebook group. There's a link to that in the show notes. Ask for help there. That's really the goal here, guys, is to help each other out. You know, as dads, we're not always great at asking for help. We're really good about searching out help for money, you know, situations or searching out people to talk to about sports and business and, hey, look at this great thing I did or look at my car or whatever it is. We're really good about that. But we're just really not that great still at talking about how we're feeling or talking about how we feel like we're failing. Because as guys, so much of us, so many of us were taught to be competitive and taught to be the best. And in our minds, the best means no failures. And that's just really not the truth. All right? It's all making sense to you guys. Do you hear me? Nod. If you're in your car or at home, just nod your head if you understand this, if you're, if you're hearing what I'm saying to you. Because acceptance of that is the first step to this. And as soon as you accept that, hey, I recognize that I can, this is what's really affecting me in all of my areas of life, and I know I can fix this, that is literally your first step. And then I want you to treat it like going to Disney World or wherever you like to go on trips. Don't treat it like having to wake up early like I, I treat waking up early. <laughs> okay? Because as soon as you start getting excited about wanting to make these changes, you're going to grow leaps and bounds. All right, guys. So remember, if you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe, leave a review. I want those reviews, guys, because I really want to know how you feel. And I, all, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be selfish in this, but I want this podcast to be rated higher so that more physician dads can find it because it's super hard to search online for a podcast and find exactly what you want. You know, I actually, the other day I just typed dad in just to see what hopped up in podcasts. And there's such a wide range of podcasts for dads. Like none of it really was seemed cohesive other than the word dad in the title. So I, I really want to be able to make this easier for those physicians to find this podcast, but I can't do that. Only you guys can do that for me. So I really appreciate those reviews if you do it. Um, otherwise, guys, embrace your imperfections. Catch the Friday round, uh, review episode this Friday, and I'll see you next week. My dad, Dr. Jeremy Toffel, is a pediatrician, father, and husband. The information provided in this podcast 
is not meant to be medical advice and is for your education and entertainment only.